you know, just so obsessed with your relationship that you let your friendships go. It's just having an awareness that you want to hit all these seven areas. So instead of balance, you might want to think of it as harmony. And now. Aye, aye. I'm the captain now. <laughs> Coming to you from the K2 studios in San Diego, California. This sounds great. You sound amazing. I always sound amazing. It's the world famous. Everybody sit off like BFS. Chris and Christine Show. Hey, what's happening? How are you doing today? Thank you so much for being here. And I am Chris. And I'm Christine. And welcome to episode 176 of the Chris and Christine Show. Oh, we are back, baby. We are back. I know. It's been like almost a month. It's been a couple of weeks, but... You know, we have been busy around here. It is that time of year. Oh, it is the end of the year when it is extremely busy. And uh, Christine is here in the flesh in the studio. Absolutely. And, you know, we're just building up to the holiday season, but we wanted to hop on here. We wanted to get an episode out before Christmas and just tell you what's been happening in our lives. So what's going on with you, babe? Well, I mean, it's been definitely been busy around here. I'm excited. This is the first time that we've had you have a week of vacation in the middle of December. And while it's been rough because you've been very moody, it's actually... Excuse me? Uh, Yes. It's been nice because we've been able to, you know, go and have some dinners together, uh, do some things. Zeke has been down here. And we've been able to catch up and spend time just the three of us together as well. And, uh, you know, I've I've really enjoyed it. Can we make that a thing every year? Wait, that I go on vacation? That you yeah. have a December vacation. Uh, absolutely. I love vacation. As you might know, Vacation Chris is everybody's favorite kind of version of me. Vacation Chris is in the house. And I love a good vacation, especially uh, being that it's closer to the uh, Christmas season. Uh, being that it is December, you know, I love a good vacation in the middle of December. It gives you time to really slow down yep. and just appreciate everything you're doing. Because I know when you're in the Christmas Christmas spirit and the Christmas mood, you're always in a big rush to go and get stuff done. I get the decorations done. I get the shopping done. I can go to the mall and do stuff and get crazy. You know, especially going for those late night gifts on December, um, you know, 24th. Yeah. Like some people do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's definitely allowed us to slow down. And I would say that so far of all of our holiday seasons together, even though there's been a bit of friction, it's been my favorite because I got to have you present more with me and the boys. Typically this time of year, things get slower for me at work and you know, you're working lots of hours. And so when the boys are here or when Zeke's here visiting, we, you know, I keep them busy doing stuff while you're working. But we got to actually do some holiday entertaining this week, didn't we? Absolutely. Uh, for the first time and since I've been here, Christine was able to throw a big party for her. Uh, was your your clients or was all it my for- wedding vendors that have worked with me? Yeah, all the wedding vendors in Christine's wedding um, venue and, and her wedding industry all had a came over to the house, and we had a big giant party at the house while I was on vacation. I know I had it last year and you weren't here and it was a really fun party, but I didn't have as much fun because you are 
first of all, you're the life of the party. Everybody loves hey, you. Wait, wait. You're tell always me, so tell funny. Me that again. I know. Really? You're, yeah, you're so funny and you're very personable. And I feel like I'm the like hostess introvert, but you were the one that can chat it up with everybody. Um, so it was really nice having you. Yeah, we had people over. We had all kinds of mocktails that Christine made for everybody to choose the kind of drinks they wanted to do. When the, What's a mocktail, you might be asking? Well, it's actually, it's all the ingredients you would need to put into an alcoholic beverage without the alcohol. Now, if you want to use alcohol, that's great because because Christine has actual alcohol bottles on the side next to the uh, tubs of the quote-unquote mocktail. And uh, those are fantastic with little berries and little kinds of fruit and stuff. It was great. Then outside, because it was it is December after all, it is getting a little colder. So we had the heaters on, the heater things outside. We had tables set up outside. And we also had the fire pit going with s'mores going outside, a whole s'mores station. I think Christine even had a hot cocoa station. And she had a gift station where people can take gifts with them to go. Christine is, obviously, she's a wedding planner. So obviously, she has her... Um, when she does an actual like event like this or any event, Christine goes all out and she did an amazing job. Oh, thank you, honey. Well, okay, let's walk everybody through. So when guests, it was an open house kind of a setup. So when you came into our house, of course, our front room is all set up like Christmas. We had our tree and then we invited people into the kitchen area and we'd moved our kitchen table up against the wall. So it was like close to the windows And I hired a gal that I've worked with from the wedding industry and she does grazing tables, which are like charcuterie boards on crack. Like they're very big. So for those who may not know what a charcuterie board is. It's a grown-up Lunchable. That's exactly (laughs) what it is. It's like meats and cheeses and crackers all done. And they're very nice. And And fruits and and all kinds. Was there fruits? Yeah, there was fruits. There was grapes. There were... um, Oh, there was several different kinds of grapes and there were like some dried fruits and all kinds of things, but go ahead. Yeah. So you have this whole smorgasbord of all kinds of different gourmet cheeses and crackers and meats and like I said, lunchable type stuff, but it's not like bologna. It's like fancy turkey. Salamis and turkeys. Yeah, Yeah, all kinds of good stuff. And it was all decorated, all nice on the table. In fact, when people came over to go to the party, they came over and they saw it. And they're like, wow, what is that? And they had to actually take pictures of it. Mm-hmm. And they were like taking selfies in front of it. And it's like, well, you guys can eat it too. You have to take pictures yeah. in front of it. It's not a shrine. You know, you can take pictures of it. You can eat it. So what's so funny is on the invite, I said to everybody, light bites, mocktails, and cocktails. And when they came in, I just asked them to do a grazing table for like 25 people thinking we'd have like closer to 40, but knowing that I'd said light bites for everybody. And then I also in the crock pot did, I went to Walmart and I got these frozen bags of meatballs that are like, they're $4. They were frozen? Yeah, they were frozen bags of meatballs pre-made. They're the great value brand. It was like a four pound bag. I got two four pound bags and or three pound bags. And I got like inexpensive honey barbecue sauce. So I dumped all of the meatballs in the crock pot and I did two containers of the honey barbecue sauce. And then I added a little bit of water to like kind of uh, dilute the barbecue sauce a little bit so that it wouldn't be so thick. And I cooked that all day and got some Hawaiian rolls on the side so that people could make sliders. I figured like little meatball sliders. And then we had the charcuterie spread. And then I had three different kinds of mocktails that I made in these 
there are these plastic jugs I got off of Facebook Marketplace a couple of years ago. Um, and so I had one was like um, cranberry ginger ale, cranberry apple and ginger ale. Another one was um, apple juice, orange juice and club soda. And then the other one was Simply Lemonade has come up with these flavored lemonades and they had a new one that's a blueberry lemonade. And it looked really good online when I was doing the Walmart pickup order. And so I got a couple of those and then I got fresh fruits to go in each one. So like the blueberry lemonade, I got fresh blueberries and slices of, um, oh, I did basil. Um, So it was like a basil infused. And then the one with the orange juice and the apples or apple juice, I put sliced apples and oranges. And then the cranberry uh, ginger ale, I got fresh cranberries and I put mint in that. Ooh, that was my favorite. Yeah. And then I had like uh, vodka, tequila, and I had a red wine because I did the cranberry ginger ale could be a sangria. People didn't really do that. They put more like uh, vodka with it. So it was like a Cosmo. But the point is it was all non-alcoholic. And so I really wanted it to be like, everybody can have fun. They didn't need to get super toasted. But if they wanted to add a splash of something fun, they could. And so um, a lot of my friends had commented on how much they appreciated the fact that it was focusing on being non-alcoholic. I have a couple of wedding vendor friends that are Muslim and they don't drink alcohol and a couple that um, are, you know, a couple of years into their sobriety and definitely didn't want to have to feel obligated. And so we did that inside and then outside over our new table that my dad made for us, you and I worked the night before to create an installation hanging from our, um, we have this like, is it metal or aluminum? Well, it's supposed to look like wood, but it's actually the material itself is like an aluminum. It's a patio cover. I don't know, no patio, like a patio gazebo cover. Yeah, kind of it's an awning. Awning, that's right. Yeah, yeah, but it's beautiful. So I, I don't know if you know this, but I found this in the paperwork in the garage when we moved in. It's actually permitted. Like they actually pulled permits through the county to be able to extend because it's such a big structure. It's really? like, yeah, it's out. It's a solid 10 feet wide from our house. And then I think it's at least, it has to be at least 30 feet long because that table is uh, 12 feet long. Yeah, but I didn't think you need a permit for that. Yeah, you do. So I found the the permits that they had because they put electrical out there and everything. Uh, yeah. But we have this beautiful aluminum, very sturdy awning. And I told you, I was like, I want to do a hanging, I'm a florist, you know, as well as a wedding planner. So I wanted to do something that was like festive and fun. And I had all of these disco balls left over from a wedding in April. And I had leftover garland from our Christmas decor. And so you and I got up on ladders. You you went along during your vacation week. You were very accommodating to me. And we got up on ladders late at night installed this Christmas garland, hung all of these different disco balls of different sizes over the top of our table. And then I created a garland on the table with disco balls and candles. And it made my wedding planner heart so happy. Oh, it did. It looked great. And nobody sat at the 
table though. I didn't know. Well, maybe because it looked too nice. You and wanna, it was cold. And it, well, I had the heaters out there, but it is getting cold. I know it's not as cold as you are in your part of the neck of the woods. You know, hey, for San Diego, it does get kind of chilly during December. Yeah, it gets to like 60. <laughs> no, it gets, it gets down to like 50, 40. But anyways, uh, people are out there hanging out, sitting around, I mean, you know, drinking and talking and chatting and mingling and hanging out over the fire pit doing that and stuff and, and everything. And, and I thought it was a great, great time. Everybody was there having a good time. Everybody was very appreciative of everything you've done. And uh, of us inviting them over to the house yeah. and chatting everybody. So we did set up. So those were the first two spaces. But I do want to say we set up the studio. We moved the furniture really cute off to the sides. I had bought these little gifts that we set up on my workbenches. And then on one of the workbenches, which it's like this really fancy husky brand workbench that you kind of adjust to different heights. I had a hot water percolator and a big container of uh, hot chocolate mix. And I put out hot cups with lids and a bottle of Bailey's and a thing of like chocolate dipped pretzels. And so people could go out and make themselves hot cocoa, like a spiked hot cocoa. And then the last area that we had was set up around our fire pit. We created a s'more station. And people could go and we had the sticks for them, the like metal skewers, and they can go and get all their supplies. And so we ended the night with everybody that stayed around the fire pit with blankets, roasting s'mores, talking, telling stories about the wedding industry. And I loved it so much because for my entire adult life, I've dreamt of having a house like I grew up in where we could host people and have parties and get togethers. And I was just so happy to be able to have people our age, our friends over at our house, just like getting to know us as people and it not being a wedding or yeah, this. not being a work thing. It's almost like exactly. we're at work, you know, that's one thing I miss about having Christmas slash holiday parties at work was that uh, it was nice. It's always nice to have people you work with to be in an event that's not like, you're at your job or right. whatever. Which is funny though, because when you, when you do go to events like that, people who work together, what do they talk about? Work. Right. Because it's all they have really have in common. So it's all, I heard a little bit of that at the party. Actually a lot of that. I think about it at the party, mm-hmm. but it's all you guys have in common is the wedding stuff. So of course that's naturally going to come up in conversation because that's what you guys do. Right. And so, you know, it did come up in conversation, but I really loved hosting with you because like you were able to, I told everybody, bring your significant others, bring your kids and the husbands that are part of the wedding industry, because it was mostly female vendors that came, their spouses. Hey, ladies. Their spouses that came gravitated towards you. And it was really nice to have them all feel included because for so often, like when we're out at weddings, we have to go without our partners and you guys are left at home, holding down the fort, being with the kids. And it just felt nice to be like, very inclusive. And it just made me so grateful that we have this other part of our life that brings us so much joy in addition to our day-to-day. Right. Uh, Listen, vacation Chris, party Chris, mingling Chris. I was in awesome mode all week long. Yeah. Thank you for that, by the way. Oh, yeah. Well, and then we ended our week with 
Christmas with all three of our boys. We did our early Christmas because Ezekiel was here uh, for that week and uh, he flew home just the other day. Um, But we got to have all three boys here and they had so much fun. They have not been together since we came back from Hawaii. Really? Yeah. That long ago? It's been like seven months because Ezekiel has been away at college. Hawaii feels like it was just yesterday. I was uh, just looking at pictures of that and, you know, videos and our video we did and things like that. I'm like, wow, that was a pretty cool trip. I really enjoyed Hawaii so much. Yeah, I did too. I had so much fun on that trip and the boys did too, but, you know, they've been apart for so long. And of course, they're crazy when they first get together, you know, running around, jumping into things and um, and all of that. But we did our own little Christmas day. So we had the whole day planned out together. Um, in the morning, we had to take, I had to take the littles to, um, to their mom because she had her Christmas holiday breakfast at work. And it was our only Sunday that we could get all of the kids together. But we also wanted to respect the fact that that's something that she looks forward to every year too. So I'd already arranged with right. her. I would, you know, take the kids. They had to be there at 7 a.m. Well, it's always difficult when you have um, co-parenting with two different families and you got different traditions and different things from each side of the family, especially with Christmas. Christmas has got to be very hard to do with multiple families and you kind of bounce around. If you can figure out a plan in advance with your co-partner, co-parenting partner, Trying to figure out the plans in advance, not to bring it on you last minute. Like, oh, by the way, we need the kids at this time right now. Like, what we're doing this right now. So it helps if you have a plan with that. And it sounds like you did with uh my ex-wife. Thank you very much. Yeah. Well, you'd been busy at work, and I figured she and I started a couple months ago because communication was not getting through <laughs> you. Quite honestly. Well, you so, should text me. I forget all about it. I know because you know, you've be- been working and your schedule is crazy. So it's not a dig on you. But uh, she and I were sorting everything out. So we took the, I took the littles. And then as soon as we got home, they wanted to do Christmas. And I just said, God, let us have our breakfast really quick. Cause you all had breakfast. The three of them or the two of them had breakfast. So I brought home McDonald's breakfast. So we make it quick. And then we did um, our presents together and the boys had bought presents for each other. And that was really fun. Yeah, they love um, and what kid does not love Christmas. Everybody kid loves Christmas and they have multiple Christmas Christmases with multiple families and multiple times with these kids <laughs> are having. It's like a it's like not just Christmas Day. It's like Christmas month. I know, really. They definitely do. And I think that's the the benefits of them having the dual households is they get to like prolong Christmas. It also makes them not as overwhelmed on Christmas day itself because you're not going to five different places on Christmas day. People still do that. Some people do. It's like, Oh, well, you know, married couples, like we got to go to my parents' house and your parents' house and our house and blah, blah, blah. Well, we get to break it down. So we did Christmas day and we totally surprised our boys with two gifts. They didn't, They kind of expected the trip that we told them about, but they absolutely did not expect the large gift that we gave to each of them when they unwrapped it, what they were, they were blown away. Well, remind me what it was. I'm trying to remember what it was. Oh, she she holds up in her hand. 
So the kids had older iPhones. Uh, my two kids, Jacob and Mason, had iPhone 11s. Our littlest uh, okay. kids. From my spawn, uh, as I like <laughs> to say, uh, had uh, iPhone 11s. I also had an iPhone 11. It worked great, but they seemed to die and get hot and so on and so forth. So the kids were looking for upgrading. I upgraded a little while ago to iPhone 15. For your birthday, for I got birthday. it for you. Yes. Christina is the iPhone queen, by the way. She's like the iPhone fairy. And she gave me an iPhone 15 for my birthday. And then we surprised the kids with brand new iPhones. We got a great deal. I'm I'm not going to go into it because the kids listen. Uh, but all this to say, they needed it. Their um, phones were not going to, um, they weren't, the batteries weren't working anymore. And AT&T wasn't going to pay to replace their batteries. And it's so it's cheaper to get a new phone these days than get a new battery. Exactly. That's the thing is they were starting to phase out the 11s. It really had been a long time. And we had told the boys like two months ago, just wait till Christmas and we'll think about getting upgraded phones. Well, I completely forgot until like a week before we were doing family Christmas. And I said, oh, shoot, Chris, we promised the boys we'd get them new phones, but they totally forgot. But I didn't. And I. what's my number one thing? When I make a promise, I what? You deliver and you keep it. I keep it. That's 100%. I have to be impeccable with my word. If I've made a promise, I have to follow through on it. It's like a thing for me. So we had worked the deals. We got a sweet deal for all three phones. And we got them screen protectors and little wall charger sockets, um, the USB-C lightning chargers. And when the boys opened them, because we had them all open them at the same time, they were completely blown away and they had so much gratitude. Don't you think? Oh, absolutely. 100%. They were super excited because, you know, the kids, kids today, you know, they live and die by their iPhones. I mean, they are, they're, they're glued to them because you can play games on them. You can talk to your friends. You can FaceTime. You can do all kinds of cool stuff with them. And just, you know, in fact, uh, Jacob was FaceTiming me today. Uh, after you left the house today, he was FaceTiming me today and stuff. And, uh, you know, um, they're great communication devices. I mean, even I know people say like, you know, your kids shouldn't have phones. You know, they're too young for phones and that kind of thing. But if they're bouncing around from house to house, and they're going from family to family. You can keep track of your kids. You can tag yeah. them. You, you, can, you can see where they are in real time or at least see where the phone is in real time. Yep. And usually, usually they don't leave the phone at home. Mason has a few times left his phone at home, but usually they, don't, they take them with them. So um, I think it's great. Yeah. And, you know, we had to make that decision a long time ago to get the kids phones because, you know, not wanting to have to call through their um, other parent to get a hold of them or whatever, you know. And again, location tracking, if especially like if they're staying or if they're going on a like a trip with somebody, you just want to make sure they're safe. So we got them their phones and then we did. So last year when we revealed Hawaii to the kids, we decided to do a scavenger hunt for them to figure it out. The clues that go with the actual prize. So it's like a bunch of clues that are kind of hidden around. Each clue leads to the next clue. And then you have to figure out what the whole message is at the end of all the clues. Right. So last year, what we did is the clues just led them to a place, a final place where it had a puzzle that they they put all the pieces together, a word puzzle. This time, 
we had a clue on the front and a letter or a word on the back that they then had to assemble at the very end. So they couldn't lose any, which they did. Of course they did. They, they yeah. just ripped the clue open <laughs> and threw it to the side, ran to the next section of clues and ripped it aside. And we said, you guys, you got you to keep those because you need them. And, and they're like, whatever. And then they grabbed them and they had like half the message was missing, but they still figured it out because the main clues of where we're going on our family vacation for 2024 was actually there in the messaging they had. So they very quickly pieced it together, although they didn't have all the the lettering they needed, but they figured it out. They figured it out. And where is that location that we're taking them? Next summer or next- This summer. Well, yeah, this summer or whatever you look at it. Uh, June of 2024, end of of June 2024, we are going over to the East Coast to the great and wonderful- New York City. As Christine's wearing a New York City shirt right now. I am. I just wore it today in honor of this episode. Uh, So, you know, you might remember that I took Ezekiel for a couple of days last summer. And I also took Chris for a wedding last summer. But what is happening is Jacob is promoting graduating from eighth grade this coming summer. And he got to give us some ideas of where he wanted to go. And then Chris and I were looking at the pricing and the opportunities of what we could do. Um, And Jacob's top places he wanted to go were the East Coast or to Orlando. And after our last Orlando trip in the heat of summer, when we all... It was fine. I I enjoyed it. (laughs) You were miserable. (laughs) Only that one day. Once I realized... Honey, you you were miserable the whole trip. Once I realized I have to like start double down, triple down all the water and Gatorades, I was fine. (laughs) You were a bump in a log and you were so grumpy the entire trip. We were hot and we'll go to Orlando off hot season, like a different time. Sure, whatever. The boys want to go to Universal at some time, but um, we made the decision to go earlier because you actually get five weeks of vacation this year. What I do? Holy moly. What am I going to do? I know. So we're going to do our trip to the East Coast in June and then you still get a week off in July and we can, you know, do beach or whatever during that time. Fantastic. That's what I say. Vacation, Chris. I I know. I need more of these vacations. You know what's funny is as I was thinking about all of this and thinking about our Christmas, our early Christmas with the boys is... You know, you sometimes you get into a career and you just get so like into the the humdrum, monotonous part of life. But then sometimes you have to step outside of it and think of all of these other great opportunities it provides. And while sometimes our jobs are frustrating, the fact that you get five weeks of vacation this year is like a big silver lining, don't you think? Oh, it's I oh, that is amazing. <laughs> you know, it's like it's like the five gifts of of pure joy <laughs> uh, is vacation. I love a good vacation week. And I think the great thing about vacation is that like you don't have to do a, you don't have to do anything you don't want to do, like work-wise, really. You are on vacation, although you're still getting paid from your company, which is amazing. It's like it's almost like being unemployed, but not because you still have a job. So and you're getting paid. So it's all great. Yeah. And I would say that, you know, as we're talking through this, we don't tell you any of this stuff to brag, but I feel like you and I have really been, in addition to working on our marriage, which we continue to work on daily, we're continuing to work on our mindset and being in a growth mindset and also trying to stretch ourselves and 
grow in different areas. And part of that is because we get to have these great guests on our podcast that while we're interviewing them and learning about them, they teach us so much about mindset, right? Absolutely. And on this very episode, we have Rebecca Whitman, who helps happens to be a life coach that teaches about the seven pillars of abundance. And we're going to be back with her right after this. Enjoy listening to podcasts and ever wonder, can I make a podcast? But it seems so complicated and good audio production can take time. What if there was a way to create an amazing podcast easily? Well, now there is. Introducing Podcasting Made Easy from Podcasting Audio. My production team will handle your entire audio production, allowing you to be the star of your show. This is Podcasting Made Easy. How easy? Well, so easy, you don't even have to press record. Now that's easy. Your listeners are waiting. Let's deliver. Sign up for a free strategy call today at podcasticaudio.com slash easy. And welcome back, everybody. Today, we have another fantastic VIP guest. She is an author, speaker, podcaster, and all-around rock star human being. Welcome to the show, Rebecca Whitman. Oh my God, thank you. What a what a wonderful honor it is to be here and spend a Sunday with you. Hey, Rebecca, how's your Sunday going for you so far? It is going so well. I had an amazing workout at F45, which I know you guys also have in San Diego with my husband, and I made us a healthy brunch. And then my new puppy peed right in the middle of the living room floor. Oh, well, that, that sounds exciting in a different way, but yeah. <laughs> it's exciting. Uh, we just got this puppy five days ago, and uh, she's a black lab named Indigo. So we're in the process of potty training her. So that that gives our life a whole new dimension right now. That is so fun. We have a puppy that is two and a half years old, and we still have occasional accidents like that in the living room. So Chris is our resident uh, puppy cleanup expert. So if oh, you no, need any she tips. Just, she just says, hey, honey, take care of that, would you please? <laughs> well, I clean it up, and my husband, like, rushes out, picks her up, like, mid-squat, and carries her outside. So we already have our, our roles figured out. That's great. Well, okay. So I have a question about F45 because I see people posting on Instagram about their F45 workouts. And I know there's two very, well, there's a bunch of different movements in fitness, but there's the CrossFitters and then there's the F45 crew. What's the difference between the two from your perspective? Oh, I love this question. I've been on over a hundred interviews. I've never been asked this question. So to me, CrossFit feels like phys ed class in high school. It's very calisthenics. Like when remember in high school, they're like, go run around the track and like do 10 jumping jacks and 20 sit-ups. And that's kind of how it is. They have a very uh, calisthenic-based workout. They write it on a whiteboard and everybody kind of does it at their own pace. Um, whereas F45 is way more choreographed. It's it's like a hit training where they have, you know, nine or 10 or more stations set up at the gym and it's to music. And like you basically, there's like a timer, you're doing like one exercise for one or two minutes. You take a break for a few seconds and then you do either the same exercise or go to the next station. And it's uh, just to me way 
it's easier, but you get like better results. Like CrossFit also has a Olympic lifting component to it where they have like really heavy weights and you're only, you know, trying to do a few reps. Whereas F45 is more like sculpting uh, lean muscle and you do like way more reps of medium to heavy weight. So it's just, it's just totally different. Like F45 to me is like going to a nightclub, having fun. And I'm not a CrossFitter, obviously. CrossFit to me is like a bad gym class in high school. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. That's just my opinion. I know all the CrossFitters are going to like send me hate mail now. I love that you guys love it, but it's just not exciting enough for me. Oh, I, yeah, I have no, I have no eggs in either basket right now. I just have walked past, well, we live near a CrossFit gym and I'll see the, the garage door rolled up and the people huffing and puffing and turning red and running down the street. And then I'll walk by an F45 and then I see people posting like going to boot camps at F45. And then you have Orange Theory and it's like all of these different things have their different workouts. And it always makes me wonder like what type of human selects which gym and why? And you've really helped me have a better understanding. So thank you for that. Yeah, Orange Theory is great too. I, I love Orange Theory. I just don't love the cardio day where you do twenty three a 23 minute run on the treadmill. Oh no, I would die one day a week where you do that. But um, if you can avoid the cardio day, Orange Series is great too because you do get more cardio in than an F45. Wow. You know, you, you guys are making me tired just hearing you talk about <laughs> working out and running and, and, more, and all that. Well, you're working out your fingers at the keyboard with all the podcast stuff. There you go, honey. There's well, your workout. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, Rebecca, where in the world are you joining us from today? I am right up the 405 from you in West LA. Look at that. That's awesome. Is that like close to LAX? I'm closer to Venice Beach. Uh, it goes Venice Beach, Mar Vista, and Culver City. So I'm in a little neighborhood about three miles from the beach. Look at that. Nice. That sounds very dreamy. You know, everybody loves to hear about what life is like living in LA, but- Big question, are you a native to the LA area or a transplant? I am a transplant. What? Long time transplant. I moved here in 2001 and I actually moved here to pursue my childhood dream of being an actress. And I had small parts on huge shows like Friends, CSI, and 24, but I didn't quite get that big break. Although I just recently got a new agent, so you never know. But uh, I spent my time here working at children's acting schools. And because I had a lot of time during the day, because kids' classes are in the afternoon and on the weekend, I started studying with great spiritual teachers like Michael Beckwith, Abraham Hicks, Wayne Dyer, Louise Hay, Marion Williamson. And that's where I really started to understand the law of attraction. And I started applying it to my finances. And I have been making six figures working part-time now for almost 20 years. Living the dream. That's amazing. And so you came here for the glitz and glam, and then you ended up moving into a different type of a lifestyle. But what was it that attracted you to the idea of becoming an actress? Well, it's funny. I, When I was three years old, my sister asked me, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I was watching Gilligan's Island in those days to age myself. And 
I said Gilligan on, I'm not Gilligan, no, uh, Ginger on Gilligan's Island. And I wanted to, I just wanted, like you said, the glamour, the glitz. I love that character. And I started modeling in Cincinnati, Ohio, where I'm from at age eight. And yeah, it, it was always my passionate hobby. My main focus as a kid was competitive tennis. So I did uh, voice lessons whenever I could and did a few vo uh, vocal recitals. And I didn't really get into the acting until after I graduated college. But I, they say once you get bit by the acting bug, you never get rid of it. And that's why I'm like, if I don't go to L.A. and take my shot at Hollywood, I'll never forgive myself. So I'm just so glad that I had the courage to come here and go for it. Now, as you were trying to make your way through to get that quote unquote big break, and I'm I'm sure that you had experiences of going on auditions and you know getting hopeful, and then having the disappointment of not getting that starring role. How did you keep yourself from getting into a depressive state to be able to keep moving forward and, and find hope? Another great question. I that's why I started to dive into these spiritual teachings because it really was a there's a fine line between humility and humiliation and I like to say that God loves me humble and I feel like taking that journey with acting it sculpted my soul in a way that nothing could because I had to realize that it doesn't matter what the agents or the casting director or the producer think about me and my talent and my look. And it's all, it only matters what I think and what God thinks about me. And it really, it made me so much stronger. And I just, I had a new philosophy, philosophy about rejection. I believe that rejection is God's protection. And I am a recovering alcoholic. And I just thought, you know what, maybe if I would have gotten on that show or movie, yeah, rejection is God's protection. And I just know that what is meant for me will not pass me. And it just at that time, it wasn't meant to be. And I and it deepened my faith. I love that statement. And I've used that before, especially after my first marriage ended and I went out into the dating scene and I was trying to attract the right type of person that I felt would complement my lifestyle. And you know, I'd go on these dates and, you know, I'd get ghosted here and there. And my girlfriends and I, we started to say that mantra of rejection is protection. That wasn't meant for me. That wasn't supposed to be entering into my life. And so I love that you've carried that philosophy forward. I like it too. I, I never thought of it like that either, you know, because you, you always think, oh, I didn't get that job promotion or I didn't get that whatever it may be. But, it, you know, it's probably for your protection. And it's interesting, and I'm not sure if you've seen this, Rebecca, I know that you have a lot of vast experiences, but the concept of rejection and how people internalize it says a lot about how they navigate the world. The person that sees rejection as, you know, becoming the victim of their circumstances versus rejection as something better is, is ahead for me can really inform a lot about how we navigate through life. Have you observed that in your experience? I really think, yes, uh, for sure. One of my favorite self-help books ever is The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. Mm -hmm. 
And I think uh, not to take anything personally has been one of my biggest life lessons. And rejection is not personal. And I've even like done casting director workshops and they're like, it's mostly not even about your talent. It's like somebody knows the producer, somebody's already been cast and this actor looks too much like another actor. Like there's so many different factors and it's not personal. So how, how, how many rejections do you typically get as a starting out actress? Like percentage wise. Oh my God. I would say if you book like one or two out of a hundred roles, that's, that's great. You know what I'm saying? And, mm -hmm. and now I'm in uh business, different uh, business pursuits. Like I'm in a network marketing company and I'm in the coaching space, which is super competitive right now. And there's so many coaches and I feel like the experience with acting has gotten me so uh, prepared and I can just keep forging forward. And now I don't even think there is failure. I think I either win or I learn. Like I've, I've gotten really tough skin from the acting thing. And I think this is why I am able to be successful in the business pursuits that I'm doing right now. That makes so much sense. And, you know, you are a very accomplished individual. I'm looking at your bio here. You've been an international best-selling author. You have a top 5% globally rated podcast. You um, do keynote speeches where you're sharing the stage with very prominent individuals. You're making this six-figure income. What do you think is your recipe for being able to navigate life with such success without becoming overly cocky? <laughs> well, who said I wasn't cocky? No, <laughs> um, no I'm not. Um, because gosh, that's a sh you have the best questions on this show. I love it. How can I navigate that success? Because there's always so much room to grow. I have a growth mindset. And I feel like every day on planet Earth, I can learn something. And even if I'm just getting 1% or 2% better every day, then it was a successful day. Like today, for example, it's a Sunday. Most people would be like, all right, I'm just going to chill today and not schedule a podcast. But I was like, you know what? I want to keep like learning, sharing, inspiring people, empowering people, and maybe if one person hears anything that I have to say today and it resonates with them, then it was worth it to work for a little bit on a Sunday. And this doesn't even feel like work. We're having such a fun, fun conversation. But I think it's just I'm addicted to wanting to get better every single day. And as far as the humility, the things that I'm doing have such a high rate of rejection <laughs> that I can't get cocky because it's not like, oh, you know, 10 out of 10 people that I talked to this week want to hire me as a coach or, you know, I, I uh, sell weight loss products and anti-aging and everybody that I talk to wants to buy my collagen. And it's not like that. So I feel like what I've chosen to do, the business models that I'm in are inherently, uh, there's a lot of humility. And it's funny, like even the people that I look up to, they, they're not arrogant. I just, I don't like arrogance and I don't like people who are entitled. That's that's a pet peeve of mine. I feel like being humble and gracious because we're all equal. We're all just the same in God's eyes and everybody's like just given a unique set of lessons and experiences. So Rebecca, you mentioned a lot about this uh, seven pillars of abundance. Speaking of abundance, what does that even mean? Can you explain what that is? Sure. 
So a few years ago, I was in a really painful marriage and it was verbally abusive. And three years after getting married, I filed for a divorce. And the same exact time that my divorce was proceeding and I was paying for my lawyer, my ex-husband's lawyer, I was paying for his living expenses. There was a lot of financial pressure on me. My dad was also dying in a nursing home. And I would go back and forth from LA where I was fighting with my ex-husband to, you know, checking in on my dad, not knowing if it would be the last time I would ever talk to him. And in one of our conversations, he asked me to write a book. And he said, you have a very unique worldview, and I think you should write something. And my dad was buried on a Wednesday. My divorce was finalized two days later on a Friday. And fast forward to six months later, I'm sitting across the desk from my financial planner. And he said, Rebecca, I know you lost your dad in your marriage this year, but you're having your best financial year ever. And I think you should write a book and teach people what you did. So I looked at my life and I realized that there were seven key areas. And when I have alignment in these seven areas, I can be resilient. So the seven pillars of abundance are spirituality, fitness, emotions, romance, mental, social, and financial. And because I focus on each of these seven areas, I've been able to recover from that divorce. I'm now happily married to my soulmate and I have thriving businesses and great friends and radiant health and and my finances continue to grow. And I'm just, I just really feel like this is a great blueprint to live your life with without having to burn out. And that's my mission is to empower people to go from burned out to balanced, beautiful, and abundant by having balance within these seven areas of life. So building off of that, Rebecca, how challenging is it to keep balance in all of those seven pillars simultaneously? Because I'm just, I'm, I'm coming at this and I'm thinking, okay, so Chris and I, like we were business owners, we work, we're parents, we're navigating marriage, you know, financial stuff and trying to keep all of those plates spinning and completely in balance can feel so overwhelming and very taxing. So what does it actually take to to kind of even out your life so that it doesn't feel like you're having these constant, like riding these ocean waves that are crashing into you when one of these different pillars gets out of alignment? Well, I say to plan your week on a Sunday, you can't work all seven pillars every day, even let alone like every minute and just know what you're focusing on. So for example, the spirituality, I do that with a morning practice. Every morning I write in this amazing abundance journal, which I'm going to gift your listeners. I'm so excited for them to get their hands on this. Um, I do an abundance journal. I do prayer meditation. That's spirituality. Then I go to the gym. That's fitness. Then I structure my work day. I have time to have either lunch or dinner with my husband. That's my uh, romance. And social, I, I try to schedule one social visit a week with a friend, whether that's a lunch or a coffee. Um, so that's not taking up a ton of time. And then mental, that's just mindset that I can do in the nooks and crannies of my day when I'm 
waking up or going to sleep or doing chores or driving. I'm listening to awesome podcasts like the Chris and Christine show. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) Where I'm listening to YouTube videos or, you know, there's just audible. There's so many ways that you can get your mental work in and the nooks and crannies of your day. And, and that's kind of how I structure my week. So it's not like doing everything all at once. It's just knowing that you want to touch each of these seven areas every week and just be aware. You don't want to be like a workaholic and have no time for the gym or, you know, just so obsessed with your relationship that you let your friendships go. It's just having an awareness that you want to hit all these seven areas. So instead of balance, you might want to think of it as harmony and thinking of all these areas as different musical instruments. And sometimes one instrument takes a solo and the other times they're all playing together and it's more like harmony than balance. So Rebecca, how would you get someone to, I wouldn't say motivated, but more dedicated to just start because they may be just sitting around and just, you know, I mean, they're kind of, my mom used to always say a lump on a log, (laughs) you know, doing nothing. Like how do you motivate someone to even get started with something like that? Wow. Well, if they're, if they're a lump on a log doing nothing, they're probably not feeling a lot of energy. That means their nutrition is off. So I would tell them to clean up their diet, to practice what I say is H&M, not the discount clothing store, <laughs> hydration, nutrition, movement, um, and get their energy flowing and their endorphins up so that they can motivate. And if they are overwhelmed by that, maybe just start walking three days a week and drinking half their weight in ounces of water, getting hydrated, trying to get off the sugar and the processed foods, which definitely slow down your energy. And I would say getting a morning practice. So I I met this woman, woman, her name was Janet, at a 12-step meeting. And I didn't know her. And she sat down next to me and she's like, this is how you write in a God journal. And I never saw Janet again. I really think she was an angel. And I've been using her journal prompts like every morning for almost 30 years. And they've transformed my negative thinking to positive. They've helped me celebrate my wins, celebrate other people's wins, look at my gratitude, look at things that are causing me anxiety that I want to let go of. And it's I've added a few prompts of my own and I've been doing this abundance journal. And it's really a motivating way to start the day which is why I wanted to give that to your listeners. So if you're just stuck, you might want to start with that abundance journal to see if that can help get you unstuck. I love that. I'm going to be downloading it and definitely going to be working on that because I know that there's areas of my own mindset that I need to work on. As you were saying, the parallel of the, the pillars to harmony versus balance, I think that that hit home with me because as a woman, a career woman, we tend to hear like, you have to keep balance in all of these things. And so it feels like you're constantly struggling to give everything equal attention. But I think even just that concept of harmony relieves a little bit of the pressure and the guilt when things kind of, when you have to pay more attention to one thing versus another. And an example of that is, you know, when I, when I find the need to take time for self-care and there's that guilt that comes up where you kind of feel a little bit selfish, like, oh, well, I should be working on or in my business right now, or I should be with my spouse. So 
How is it that you navigate around the conversation of taking time for self-care? Well, first of all, I would tell your listeners to take the word should out of their vocabulary. Could have, would have, and should have are words of perfectionism. And as a recovering perfectionist, I used to beat myself up a lot. And I found that it wasn't helping my mindset and it was making me really unhappy. So I would say don't should on yourself and be all in for what you're doing and don't have any guilt. Like if you're if you're on a date night, don't check your phone for work. If you are if you're working, you know, set a boundary with your spouse or if you have kids, like I'm going to be working for the next hour in my office, you know, please don't don't bother me. Mommy's working and just to have boundaries around your time and then when you're doing it, like really really do it. I think we all have uh, ADHD because we're getting pings and dings and notifications. And they say a goldfish has a longer attention span than a human <laughs> right now. We've all been so, you know, just programmed to like be distracted. It's really hard. Even when I tell myself I'm going to focus, I, I'm tempted to check my notification. So I'm a big believer in a method called the Pomodoro method. Oh, I love and, that. Yeah, it's a uh, 20 minutes of work, five minutes of rest. Wait, and wait, wait, like, wait, wait, wait. Is that, is that, uh, is that the equation? Would that work for an entire work day? Like an eight hour day also? I mean, I, I, I like to do 25 minutes of work and five minutes of rest. And that's like an hour. And I break my days into power hours. So I decide, okay, I'm going to put this many power hours, you know, on this project. And that's what I'm going to be focused on. And yeah, when I, I use the timer on my phone and I time it for 25 minutes, I'm like, okay, don't check your Facebook. Don't check your email. Just do this task for 25 minutes. And then you have five minutes to do whatever, stretch, go to the bathroom, pet your dog, check your social. And it does, I think it would work magically for an eight hour work day. Okay, Rebecca, I have to tell you, I swear by the Pomodoro method. And I like for all of you listeners out there who have never tried it before, it 1 billion percent works in all aspects of work life and all and in school life too. So when I was in the home stretch of my doctoral work and so many of my my school friends and I were struggling with the quote unquote motivation, it's like, you know, you just have this huge project, this writing project that you have to complete, but it feels so overwhelming. And I had a friend just tell me, try using the Pomodoro method. And I was like, well, what is it? And so I started implementing it like that day. And I will tell you, it was less than two and a half weeks before I had my entire dissertation written all of my data analyzed and I didn't feel like I was overworking myself. I just had to start that, that discipline of, you know, powering through and hyper-focusing for 20, 25 minutes, giving myself a little break to get a snack, bathroom break, check my phone, getting right back to work. And I do that now when I'm working on my business as well. And it's just, it's really life-changing. It really is. It's it's a game changer. The Pomodoro method. If there's anything that you're dreading doing, like 
writing a dissertation or even cleaning out your closet, if like you can do anything for 20 minutes uh, and use your timer on your phone and 20 minutes goes by so fast. Absolutely. And I think it's definitely a procrastinator's friend for any task that they're avoiding that feels painful. Because that's the thing that I would find is when there were things that I wanted to do that didn't give me positive endorphins was when I would find myself inserting anything else in my life. And then it's like, again, then the shoulds and the coulds start to creep in, but then you insert this little strategy into your life and it definitely helps. So thank you for that tip. Yeah. I think that we're all dopamine addicts. You know, we all want to feel good. We all like buying stuff on Amazon and you know, Facebook likes and all that stuff that all creates the pleasure hormone dopamine. And when we know something that we're going to do is not dopamine producing, it's like a procrastination. Oh my God, taxes, like don't even get me started on that. So having the Pomodoro method is your friend if you're a dopamine addict like me. Yeah, I I know I'll sit here and I'll just wait. I could work on this episode or this podcast interview or something. And I'm like, I'm just scrolling around YouTube or I'm just scrolling around other things. And next thing you know, it's like that hour is gone. I should have been using it <laughs> productively. Or there's times I get in here and I'll just knock something up. And then Christine's telling me, hey, uh, you've been in the office all day. What are you doing? <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe I just I just go in all at, you know, all in on whatever. Hyper-focus for sure. Uh, so Rebecca, I, I have some questions for you around like work and, you know, finding fulfillment in your occupation. So here's here's what I want to set up for you. Chris and I, we like to read a lot of current events and we've been reading phenomenons about um, quiet quitting and people- It's called quietly quitting. Quietly quitting, but also the phenomenon of quiet quitting where people are trying to do less and less because they're feeling unfulfilled in their job, but they won't just quit because they feel trapped and they don't have- a plan B or anything to fall back on. So what suggestions would you give to our listeners around how to build your dream life by building up a plan B for yourself? Yeah, well, I actually have a signature program called Create Your Six-Figure Side Hustle, and it is for quiet quitters. Most people are quietly quitting because they got a taste of freedom during the pandemic. Oh, the good life, huh? <laughs> yeah, like I kind of like, you know, not driving in rush hour traffic and sharing my cubicle with that guy who has BO. <laughs> I like uh, not dealing with water cooler politics and I kind of like not having a boss, you know, write me up for being five minutes late. Like working from home in my pajamas is pretty cool. So they don't want to go back to work. And I I think a lot of workplaces are realizing that and they're creating a hybrid situation where people can work from home a couple days and from the office a couple days, which is really smart because they're retaining employees that way. But I think the best thing to do is not to quit your job because your job is giving you health insurance and it's creating stability for your family, but to create a side hustle And you can either have multiple income streams or when you, if you really hate your job, when your side hustle gets to a certain level, you can then quit your job. So that's, that's what I teach is having a side hustle. Yeah. Having a side hustle. But 
when how do you balance a side hustle? Because I know sometimes when you start off with a side hustle, you want you're so excited. It's, it's a brand new toy, and you want to just invest <laughs> all your your energy into it. That sometimes, not saying always, sometimes it does affect your real job, your performance there. How do you balance those two? Is it a new toy like Clean Feed Radio is for you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, so. Yeah. I mean, when you start something new, it's exciting. That's why I like to call it a passion project. So you do you do your job. Actually, it's so funny because when you're passionate about your side business, it like spills into your job. It's how you do one thing is how you do everything. So if you have passion in your life, you're going to be better at your job. If you can take that passion into your job, if you're not like resentful, like, oh, why am I at my job? I could be like working on my passion project. But like, I'm so excited because after I get home from work, I'm going to get to do, you know, my side hustle for an hour. So I think it's just getting excited again that you have something in your life that's creating passion and then planning again, planning your schedule out. I like to call them power hours. How many hours a week can you devote to your side hustle and schedule them, put them in your calendar and then stick to them because it's easy to stick to your work schedule because you won't get paid or you'll get fired if you don't go. But when you're an entrepreneur and you're your own boss, you know, all you have to do is look in the mirror and say, can I have today off? And you look back <laughs> in the mirror and say, yeah, you can. Well, it's a lot. It requires a lot more discipline and focus to that calendar when you're an entrepreneur and stick to those power hours. It kind of reminds me when I was in uh, college years and years ago, how like going from high school into college, is that the they don't take roll call like they don't care <laughs> if you're there or not it's kind of the same thing it's like wait i cannot show up today and then i could do anything about it what <laughs> exactly i i was always surprised when people didn't show up for a class cuz i i really like to learn i guess i'm a nerd but i also i also went to princeton and i know like the per class was very expensive for my parents so i'm like i better show up oh yeah definitely if you didn't your parents would be so pissed <laughs> Yeah. So Rebecca, when we think about that, you know, moving to the, having the side hustle and simultaneously having your main job, what about when you want to make that leap so that your side thing becomes the main thing? How do you even get started with manifesting that, sending that out into the universe to be able to attract that into your life so that it can sustain you and your family financially. Yeah. Well, I like how you use the word manifest because I call myself not a life coach, but the magnetic abundance mentor. I really think it has to do with believing in it first. You know, if you believe it, you can achieve it. And then it is hard work. You can't just sit at home on a meditation cushion and visualize, although visualization is important. It is, it's called a side hustle for a reason. It does take a lot of discipline and hard work. That doesn't mean it's not fun. And I think it's about your own comfort level. Like if you feel like you can pay your bills and pay your insurance and then have some cushion with your side hustle, then it's time to, then it's time to switch and then do your side hustle full time. But I don't believe, see a lot of business coaches say, Quit your job, max out your credit cards. You got to burn the boats to take the island. <laughs> burn the boats to take the island. Huh? <laughs> yeah, that's literally a quote from a famous business coach. I'm not going to say who. And they say to put yourself in a do or die situation, and that will force you to be successful. 
but I teach women especially to be magnetic. And when you're in your feminine energy, you are calm, you're elegant, you are attracting using the law of attraction, and you're not pushing, chasing, running, exhausting, and depleting yourself. And I don't, I don't really think that that's a fun way to do business. Like if I don't get this client or this customer, then I'm not going to get to eat next week. Like that is, that's a turnoff and people can smell fear. So I tell people just do your side hustle and come from contribution, not uh, desperation. And then when you're, when your side hustle has enough stability, then you can switch over. That is totally speaking to me right now. So our journey is we just uh, entered into year three of my business that we launched. And Chris also has a business as well. And it's been, my business has been very lucrative and successful alongside my full-time career. And I get questions from my work colleagues and from family and friends on almost a daily basis of, well, are you going to leave your main job for your side business? And my statement to them always is, I don't want to put that business in a place of it having to provide because in the event that it doesn't provide, then I'm going to operate from desperation and and I'm in the wedding industry and nobody wants a, a desperate money hungry wedding planner. You know, they want somebody that's in it for the joy and the experience. And so I and think- the creativity. And I mean, I feel like when you're desperate, your creativity is compromised too. Absolutely. And so backing up just a little bit, you talked a couple minutes ago about like mindset and these like limiting beliefs and believing that you can do it. For that person that's out there right now, that's trying to build their business, but has- you know, through a lot of life circumstances appear, they've experienced a lot of hardship and just feel like nothing good ever happens to them in their life. How would you encourage that person to shift their mindset knowing that life has been rough for them? I would like to say that God gives the hardest lessons to his best students and that your message is in your mess and that all this pain and trial and rejection and hardship that you're going through is actually going to be a way to serve because other people, if you're going through that, other people are going through it. And once you figure out how to get to the other side, you can reach back and monetize that. Even if you're just a half a step of ahead of someone else, you can coach them on how to get to where you are. So I would tell them your message is in your mess and how can you monetize that and help people because you are your ideal client before you had your transformation. So how can you help someone like you who's going through the same exact hardship? So I'm looking across the studio right now at Chris and he's like very pensive and scratching his head. So Chris, what was what was sticking with you from what Rebecca just said? I it think sounds- he's mad at me because I keep hitting the mute button by mistake. Oh no, no. He was listening. He was like <laughs> intently listening, but literally like scratching your head, honey. So what was it that just... Well, well, for example, speaking of podcasting here, is that um, my other podcast uh, I, I have, it's called Podtastic Audio, which I help create. I design it to help people like that were like in my shoes when I first started figure out like which end of a microphone to talk into, you know, <laughs> like that kind of stuff. 
and or how to like record audio or how to like make sound decent or how to do this and that. It's simple stuff that I knew nothing about when we first started at all. And it got me thinking that, yeah, I guess I did kind of create that show for the earlier version of myself mm-hmm. when I we first started here. And then by putting information out there in a, into LinkedIn and Twitter and all of that, you started to attract your clients and you had to overcome a lot to believe that you could be successful in this. And now you have your company and you're the CEO of it. And like, what's that journey been like for you? Well, you just explained it right there. <laughs> <laughs> but it's been great. It, it's not easy. You know, I know some people think that, oh, you just have it easy because X, Y, and Z. Rebecca, what do you say to those people who, who kind of like almost point, not say blame, but kind of point like, oh, they're that because of they know that person or because, oh, their daddy is so-and-so or because such and such, fill in the blank. It's funny you said that because I, I got my first troll on my YouTube channel and I was uh, saying some inspirational message about success, which I love to do. And he was like, well, you just, you have had that kind of success because you've had such a privileged background where your parents paid for your college education and this isn't going to work for someone that doesn't have that kind of a running start. And I was like, wow. I was like, I thought about that. But I was like, yes, that, that definitely helps. But then I thought, you know what? I'm not even using my Ivy League education and anything that I'm doing. It, it didn't help me in Hollywood, as we saw. You know, I really didn't advance beyond the extra level. Um, So that didn't help there. Um, As far as maybe how I speak and that I am articulate, yes, you know, my education probably helped with that. But there's a lot of people that can be articulate just because they are smart and they're well-read. And as far as uh, my different businesses, like I said, I have a health and wellness business, which is you know, promoting products, it doesn't really help there. It's all about just caring about people and being a consult for their wellness. And it's not like tons of people from my college. You know, it's funny (laughs) to be like very vulnerable. I had a big reunion for my college uh, last summer Mm -hmm. and not one person asked me if I was coming. (laughs) So I don't think the network uh, is helping me there if they're not even concerned if I'm coming, not to be a victim, but it's just, I don't think that I'm really using my college that much. And they say 80% of the people don't even use their college education in their careers. So I feel like some of the the biggest success stories and the wealthiest people, they didn't even go to college and they were self-funded. And so I just feel like if you want to have an excuse not to be successful and you want to shame and blame other people for their success, you can do that. There's a million reasons. That's limited thinking, right? I'm not old enough. I'm not young enough. I'm too fat. I'm too thin. I didn't have the right childhood. I didn't have the right education. I didn't know the right people. There's a million limiting beliefs out there, and we could just glom on to any one of those and use them as an excuse not to be successful. Or we can say, you know what? F, I know I'm not going to cuss on your show. <laughs> Thank you. That limiting belief. I'm, I'm not going to be you know, imprisoned by that belief anymore. And I am going to persist until I am successful. And if other people can beat all the odds and do it, I can do it too. That's great. Good advice. 
I really do love that. And, and what other areas of life can you apply that type of thinking to? Like, does it work in relationships and finance as well? Oh yeah. There's limited beliefs. Cause that's my other program is helping women in midlife attract their soulmate in seven simple steps. There's limiting beliefs around dating, you know, especially in big cities like LA, New York, San Diego, all the good ones are already taken. And I've aged out of the dating apps and internet dating doesn't work for me. And I just, I'm always going to be alone or I'm unlucky in love. And it's the same in health. Like no matter what diet or exercise I try, I just can't lose that last 10 pounds. So why even try? There's, there's limited thinking in every area of life. And if you drill down and you ask yourself, what really is my limited belief? And you can figure that out. Then you can turn that into an affirmation. So instead of saying all the good guys are already taken, you can turn that into, there's plenty of plenty of men out there that would love me. Or you can say, you know, I just can't lose that 10 pounds and say, I easily and effortlessly release 10 pounds. So I'm a huge believer in affirmations. In my book, How to Make a Six-Figure Income Working Part-Time, there are 21 affirmations, three affirmations for each of the seven pillars of abundance. And and those will get you started on affirmations if you don't want to figure out your own. So if Chris and I were wanting to incorporate affirmations um, to help us with our businesses, what types of things could we start saying to ourselves to help us with our mindset? I have more than an, I like, there's three ways to start an affirmation. It's I am, I have, I am able to. So I, I am enjoying my seven figure business with Chris. I am able to easily and effortlessly have more clients than I could possibly service. And, uh, I have, did I say I have, or I'm able to, um, you said I'm able to, (laughs) I, I have a bank account that has X amount of dollars in it and I'm so grateful for it. So any of that, um, I also like writing a list of what you want to manifest in your business. And you can say, I am so happy and grateful that I already have. So I already have this many clients. I already have this much income. I already have this much money in my bank. I already have this dream home. And you can also make a list that way and affirm it. So affirmations are really, really powerful. You know what, Chris, I really like this idea. That's something that you and I haven't done And so, okay, for context purposes, we were watching this Netflix show last night, Rebecca, and there was this scene where the woman was getting ready to go into a job interview that she really wanted. And she stands in front of the mirror and she like, she says an affirmation. I can't even remember what it is. And Chris, do you remember? Like like you got this or something like that. Yes. Like I've got this. This is mine. I think she said you got this. Like she's talking to herself in the mirror. Yeah. And then your, your response was what? I got to try that. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) When I go to work every day, you got this. You got this. And so just like whatever it is, that positive self-talk. What do you think, Chris? Do you think that we can think about incorporating affirmations into our lives for ourselves? See how it goes? You rock, babe. You rock. You got this. No, but saying it to yourself. Yeah, no, you got this. Oh, well, thank you. There you go. See, I did it. I meant for yourself, but I think this is something that I would like to incorporate into my practice because it's so easy to get caught up in, you know, all of 
what life has for us. And it feels heavy at times. And to forget to, my little sister gave me this analogy of like blowing up your own balloon and, you know, other people can come and like squeeze it and life circumstances can. They'll pop it in a a heartbeat. But, you know, being able to, to pump yourself up literally. And I think affirmations is a great way to do that. Affirmations is a great way. And I like uh, what Anthony Robbins said. He called when you put affirmations to movement, he calls them incantations. So when I'm at the gym, I'll like put an affirmation to like my workout moves. Like I am enough. I have enough. I am willing to set myself free. That is a great affirmation I have around uh, my limiting belief of feeling like I'm never good enough. So mm-hmm. that is uh if you incorporate them in your walk, as you're walking, you're saying your affirmations or even cleaning. Like if you add, I don't care if you are soaping yourself down in the shower, like add a little bit of movement to the affirmation and it becomes an incantation. I love that. And then you just carry that with you and it just starts to move its way throughout your body. And I don't know, it just changes your outlook. I think when you start to speak to yourself with kindness and with that positive mindset, it's really hard for negative energy to make its way into your life. Mm. It's true. Chris, Chris, you're arguing with me. He goes, uh, uh, Mr. Negativity that? over here. Well, if you surround yourself by negative people, then, um, you know, sometimes I'm around people, I know this happens uh, at work or different different place. I'm not pointing anyone out in particular, but there are some people in my circles that um, for whatever you tell them, even good news that I've done, they just don't hey, want to hear it. You don't have to. You don't have to not say their name because don't worry, they're not listening to your podcast. <laughs> they probably oh, they hate listening. What they're doing. <laughs> That's what they do. But um, but I'm saying that like they want to poo poo in your Cheerios, you know, and and even though you're having a good day, oh, I did this, I got this accomplishment, and I did this and that, and they're like, whatever, I don't care, or even worse, you know, how do you how do you come back from that? You got to know your audience. You cannot uh, share your wins with someone who is not happy for you. And I, I've made that mistake too. Talk about popping your balloon, right? Because right. they're not happy for you because you're a mirror for them. Your happiness and your success, they see that as a reflection against them. And oh, well, why am I not getting that? So it's so important. That's why social is one of the pillars of abundance to have friends that are actually a little bit ahead of you. If you find somebody who has what you want and you do what they did, you can get what they got, whether that's a coach, whether that's a community. And if you're in a group where people are achieving big things and they are supporting and cheering you on, it's just going to make such a big difference. And what about for that person that doesn't have that social circle and that is a pillar that they're they're struggling with? How do they even... How do they even widen their network to be able to attract that kind of friendship so that they don't feel like they're constantly surrounded with that negativity? Find find your tribe. You know, there's a million Facebook groups out there. There's I have actually a free coaching call, a group circle for women every Tuesday at noon Pacific, three Eastern, where I just create community accountability and support for people. Uh, you're welcome to uh, join in. That will be in my link tree link that Chris and Christine will share. Find find your people. Like I don't care if it's a biking club, a hiking club, any any place you feel where people are being positive and like minded, 
find them because usually the friends that we have at the beginning of our transformational path are not the same friends that we're going to have as we move on the path. When I was first starting out and and affirmations and transformation, I was a part of the Ain't It Awful Club. And my friends and I complained about everything, complain about the weather, complain about dating, complain about this and that. And then when I started to get more positive, I was like, oh my God, I don't want to complain anymore. And I don't want to listen to anyone complain. And then you kind of evolve out of certain friendships. And it is painful because I love like long-term friendships and I do have a few long-term friendships, but there are many friendships that I've had to gracefully walk away from because they no longer serve me. So that's one of the things I teach my client to do. If a relationship or friendship is draining your energy and is making you feel less than, then you can walk away and love. That's really sage advice. And I think that just giving people that permission, it just can release the pressure valve to be able to envision your life differently with different people and to see yourself successful in those different areas. And so with that, Rebecca, where can our listeners find out more about you? You mentioned coaching, you've mentioned courses. Uh, How can they get connected with you and start their whole life transformation? Yes. Well, this has been such an amazing conversation. I'm so glad we did this. And I would love to continue the conversation with your listeners. So you can find me on Instagram, Clubhouse, Twitter, Threads, at Rebecca E. Whitman. You can go to my website, Rebecca Elizabeth Whitman. That's Elizabeth with a Z dot com, where there's all kinds of fun things. You can get a free workbook, Find Your Meaningful Magnetic Purpose. You can take a quiz to see where you're in and out of balance in your life out of the seven areas. And there's also uh, the Abundance Journal, which I'm gifting to your listeners. So you can get that from my link tree. And you can also join the Women's Circle whenever you want to jump in on a Tuesday and just get some accountability and some some community. Uh, that's going to be in my link tree as well. So almost everything is in my link tree, including my podcast, The Balanced, Beautiful, and Abundant Show. Fantastic. That's so amazing, Rebecca. And so are there any last words of wisdom that you would like to leave with our listeners as we wrap this up today? I am a recovering future tripper. I think of a big project or my future and I'm like, oh my God, how am I going to do this? And how am I going to do that? And it's also overwhelming. So I would say to change overwhelm to exhilaration overwhelm and exhilaration are the same thing. It's just your mindset. Overwhelm is like, oh no, like victim, how am I going to do this? I don't have enough time to exhilaration. Like, wow, like all this stuff is happening and I have so much going on and this is like exhilarating. This is like the wind blowing through my hair and the music cranked up and I'm really like, you know, living a full life and and find it exhilarating. And another thing is when you get overwhelmed thinking about the future, just do the next right thing. Don't worry about the whole project. Don't worry about how it's all going to turn out. Just do the next indicated action. And then the next one will be revealed. And that is what I'm going to end with. Well, Rebecca, thank you so much for being here with our listeners. And uh, for everybody that's tuning in, Make sure that you check out our show notes to be able to connect with Rebecca and to get that free download of the Abundance Journal. I know I'm going to hop on over there and 
gonna, you know, right after this, start working on some affirmations for myself. And I think I'm going to tape them up to my mirror. I think that's my, <laughs> my action step from this interview. So Rebecca, nice. thank you so much for spending your Sunday with us and we wish you only the best. Thank you so much. This has been such a fun conversation and you guys are amazing. I love your banter and rapport and it was just great meeting you and being on your show. Are you in the middle of wedding planning and feeling overwhelmed? There's no need to fret, my friend. Christine Smith Designs is here to rescue you. Offering wedding planning, coordination, and wedding floral design services, let us help relieve your stress and make your wedding day dreams a reality. Visit us at christinesmithdesigns.com. That's K-R-I-S-T-I-N-E smithdesigns.com and request a free consultation. You'll be so glad you did. That was so fantastic. I loved hearing from Rebecca and about her perspective on manifestation and attracting to your life the really what it is that you want to do. I just found her very intriguing. A fantastic. I did too. That was great. And thank you so much, uh, Rebecca, for stopping by. Absolutely. And, you know, Chris, as I was thinking about, you know, what we were talking about just before we went into the interview, um, I really have been simmering on Rebecca's words and uh, looking into a bit more of what she does. And I feel like mindset is behind so much of helping us to stay out of a rut. And I feel like you and I, when we look at our relationship over the last five years and we look at where we were like in our jobs and in our hobbies and things like that. And now where we're at, do you ever stop to just say like to yourself, gosh, I'm really proud of myself for how far I've grown. Absolutely. All the time. I always say, gosh, you know, think about like five, okay, let's go back before Christine, go back 10 years. Let's look, let's look five years before that, you know, where I was, you know, like out of work, trying to find a job or maybe even like, um, not satisfied the job I was. I was very dissatisfied, didn't make very much, you know, had no benefits, no hope of even owning a home, let alone even looking at homes, you know, and even living in a home, really. Right. Um, trying to find, you know, what apartment we're going to move into and, and and will I be able to stay in this apartment or are they going to kick me out or is the lease going to expire or so on and so forth. Like it has happened. Um, it makes it very frustrating and I'm very appreciative of everything we have, we've earned and we've actually created and overcome because in that 10 year journey, you like, that's a really good timeline to reflect on because eight years ago was when my life basically imploded after my separation and went going through a divorce and having to rebuild everything. And now looking at how far we've come, I think it's a really great encouragement to anyone out there who, especially during the holiday season, which can feel so heavy with so many expectations and, you know, getting ready to go around family and especially creeping up on Christmas where people are like, oh, so are you married? Are you having kids? Or what, you know, have you figured your life out yet? It can be a really hard time where you feel like, gosh, you know, I'm never going to get past this. My life's never going to be different. Let's stop that destructive thinking and remind yourself that anything can change when you put your mindset in a place of realizing that you're worthy of great things, you're worthy of having an abundant life that is fulfilled, where you feel joy and happiness. And we're here to encourage you in that. So definitely keep tuning into this podcast because we're going to continue to keep bringing you really quality guests. We have a great another guest coming up next week. 
And I think that this is really great to help us reframe our mindset around the holidays as we get ready to get into a new year, new you. Let's just do this, right, Chris? Oh, look at Christine. Words of wisdom for Christine. And we are back, baby. We are back. Absolutely. And so where can our listeners find out more about us and our guests? Yeah, you can go over to our website, which is chrisandchristineshow.com. And if you can't remember that, don't worry. You can spell it any way you like because it'll send you right on over there. Absolutely. And on that website, you can find out all about the Chris and Christine show. If you are interested in launching your own podcast as we're getting ready to head towards the new year, you can reach out to Chris and Podtastic Audio and his services. Or maybe you just got engaged and you're looking at planning that wedding. You can also, I know, you can also hit me up at christinesmithdesigns.com. And we are so grateful for you. Thanks for listening in. And we can't wait to join you next week when we talk all about Christmas. It's coming. Right, Chris? Absolutely. And we'll be back with you next next week. week.